In this episode, I am talking with Seattle citizen Eric Stark, who has a very personal message of thanks for the Seattle Police Department and all law enforcement. Eric is a bus driver for King County Metro, which serves the greater Seattle area. On March 27, 2019, just shortly after 4 p.m., Eric was shot while driving the bus. He has widely been hailed by first responders, media, and fellow citizens as a hero for his quick thinking and action in saving the lives of his passengers. According to the Seattle Times, the shooter fired at five random members of the community on a public street, killing two and wounding two, one of them Eric. The Times reported that the suspect told police he was in a drunken blackout during the rampage and didn't remember any of it. Eric recounts this harrowing ordeal, and he credits two Seattle police officers with saving his life, much as we heard in episode four with my interview with Zach, another Seattle citizen who is a victim of a shooting. We also discuss how it has become increasingly important to Eric to show his gratitude to the two officers who saved him, to all at the Seattle Police Department, and to all law enforcement. Hi, Eric. Thanks for joining me today. I know you have graciously told this story in the media many times. If you don't mind sharing it again, please tell me what happened that day. Sure. I'm a night board operator, which means I get something different every day. I had picked somebody's vacation, so I was doing their work for them that week on the 75. I remember road relieving the driver at Northgate Transit Center to start my day. It was a beautiful sunny day. I remember University of Washington was on spring break, so I knew it was probably going to be light passenger load. It was going to be a good day. So I started out, I got to Lake City and 125th, dropped some people off, picked some people up, and headed up 125th. Uh, when I came around the corner on the Sandpoint Way, I saw a man run across Sandpoint Way towards the bus shelter. I assumed it was somebody running for the bus. Uh, he tripped and fell, and he fell hard. And I thought, ooh, that doesn't look good. Like, I, this guy's probably hurt. I had to drop somebody off there because somebody had pulled the cord. And I stopped short about five yards away just to see if I was going to have to call for medical attention for this guy or what. And then I saw him roll over on his back, and I saw what looked like a gun in his hand. And I thought, well, that's weird. That looks like a gun in his hand. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't think I didn't think too much about it, except I was puzzled. And I must have looked away or something because the next thing I know, he's standing up where he fell about five yards away directly in front of my side of the windshield of the bus. And now he's pointing the gun at me. It's very surreal. It's all out of context. So in my mind, I'm still thinking, this is weird what's happening. You know, instead of thinking like you would just react and get out of the way or do, I just, you know. It's not something that happens, at least to me, right? So I thought, what is going on? And then I hear the pop of the gun and glass on the windshield broke and I felt something hot in my chest and then in my left arm. And then I thought, oh, well, that's what's going on. The guy's shooting at the bus. So uh, I got down as far to the right as I could in the seat to try to get below his field of view. And as I was going down, that's when I watched the second shot come through the windshield about head high where I had, where my, 
where I had been sitting. And so I just remember thinking all kinds of things in the space of about three seconds. But one of them was, I'm still function. I'm still conscious. I'm still functioning. So we're going to get out of here as fast and as far as we can. So I don't know how, but I managed to, without seeing the transmission controls, I managed to get this bus in reverse and back up a couple of blocks. I remember thinking, I hope nobody's behind me because I'm backing up. It was my only viable solution. He shot again at the bus. I was pretty sure I heard a shot, found out later he did indeed shoot just below the windshield. I backed up for a couple blocks till I saw a side street come into view, and then I took off down the side street. Ended up on 125th again between 35th and Lake City Way, which is where I stopped the bus. You had mentioned in an interview that while you're taught how to drive the bus in reverse, you are encouraged not to do so. Yeah, it's it's typically not something that Metro wants us. They don't want us backing up the bus. <laughs> well, having never driven a bus, what, it, what I'm trying to get at is how difficult it must be under normal circumstances. I mean, it's not like backing up a car. Right. There are certain things, kind of steps you go through. So it's pretty miraculous that on the first try, not being able to see the buttons on the dash, because I was my head was kind of down below the fare box. I managed to reach over. You have to have your foot firmly on the service brake. You have to hit neutral first, and then you have to hit reverse and hope it goes into gear. And thank God it went into gear. So yeah, it's it's not under normal conditions. It, it's not easy to get those to go into reverse. It's just amazing what you were able to do under duress and under fire. You've been shot, you're wounded, you're able to keep it together to save everyone on that bus, to what do you attribute that? Well, that's a good question. Um, a couple of things. I mean, I'm a, I'm a man of faith, so I attribute that a lot to God's providence in that situation. I think just knowing that when I was in a crisis, I could function and I needed to act. I always kind of have that mindset anyway, and so I think that was a big contributing factor. But the fact that everything came together the way it did and we were able to get out of there, I totally attribute to the grace of God in my life. I mean, it's nice to hear from police officers who say, it's amazing that you had the presence of mind to think of things like cover and just to respond the way you did and to get out of there. I just believe I did what I could do. And it, and it happened to work out okay for myself and my passengers. I mean, I survived, and none of my passengers were hurt. So uh, I'm definitely deeply saddened that other people got hurt and killed. Well, that's very humble of you. I would agree that it's quite extraordinary. So you get out of that area. You at least are able to get to a location where you feel you are not in danger from him, right? Right. And I didn't know where that was. I mean, as it turns out, as soon as I got out of the way and somebody went around me, he started shooting at the closest target of opportunity. I didn't know that. I didn't know if this guy had a thing for Metro or bus drivers. or I didn't know if he was running after the bus because I wasn't looking out the windshield. My only point of reference was out the front passenger door, what I could see out the side door. I just knew I wanted to get away from there, get as far away from there as possible. So you get to a location, you pull over, 
Yeah, so um, <laughs> I remember going down the side street, getting to 35th, which is the main uh, main north-south arterial in northeast Seattle, and there's a bus stop right there. And by this time, I am a quarter of a mile away, but I'm still thinking that's too close for me. So I went up a couple blocks to 125th. There's a bus zone right there, and I thought, well, I don't want to stop there because, you know, I might block the intersection. And I'm still thinking like a bus driver, right? So I went up to the middle of the block where I figured I wouldn't be in the way. I stopped the bus just like I had stopped pulling up to a zone when I'm under normal conditions, and there was a woman standing there waiting to get on the bus. I opened the doors and she went to step on the bus. And this whole time I had had my right hand over my chest where I got hit, where I thought I got hit. I wasn't sure how badly I was hit or exactly where. I just remember taking that hand off and sticking it up and say, don't get on the bus yet. I've been shot. Like, you know, there may be an opportunity for you to get on. And so my hand's just covered with blood. And she was great. She uh, she was very calm. She said, okay, what can I do to help? And she stepped on to be a help. And so now at this point, as I'm watching SPD vehicles flying by me, I'm thinking, I could probably use some help right now. <laughs> uh, and I was just hoping one of them was going to stop. But I mean, finally, somebody saw what was going on, a pedestrian, and they were trying to flag down police cars. Two gentlemen who are now good friends of mine, SPD officers, just as they were passing me, they got a call on the radio that the bus driver was shot and they happened to see the bus as they were driving by. So they looped back around really quickly and they were the first to jump on the bus, you know, give me some medical attention. And what was that like? You know, it's funny. I... There were two of them. They're both North Precinct patrol officers. Uh, one officer jumped behind me and started cutting my clothes off and immediately giving me medical attention. He cut off pretty much everything I was wearing except my shoes. I remember that. Because, you know, they have to find, they have to look for exit wounds and all that kind of stuff. And I remember seeing the face of the other guy. He kind of a smile on his face uh, as like a natural facial expression. And he has a southern drawl. And kind of the combination of seeing his friendly face and hearing that southern accent really helped to set me at ease. And you had also notified your, what would you call it, operations center? Yeah, so we have a control center, the transit control center. I hit the emergency alert button as I was backing up. And then uh, when I got to the place where I could turn and go down a side street, I remember my radio beeping. Well, I know from training and experience that if you hit the EA button and they call on the radio and you don't respond, they'll automatically dispatch police and or fire or whatever. But again, I'm thinking like a bus driver. And so I hear my radio beep and I'm thinking, I, I need to answer this. It's the control center. <laughs> so I remember picking up the handset. All I said was, I've been shot. And I said it four times. I only remember saying it three times, but the coordinator later told me I said it four times and I got to listen to the tape of that call. Uh, that's all I said. And I dropped the handset and kept going. This, the one scary moment for me was because I'm talking to the coordinator, I shallowed my turn and I had to back up a second time. And we're only a block or so away from where the shooting happened. But because I was driving off route, the coordinator later told me that when that happens because of our system, it doesn't track really well. And it 
on their map, it showed the bus going through buildings. And so they had no idea what was going on. They didn't know if the shooter was on the bus, if there was more than one shooter. They knew nothing except the driver was shot and is driving away. That's all they knew. So as this is playing out, what are the passengers doing? Did anyone on the bus offer to help you? The only thing I remember hearing on the bus was a young man. I remember hearing him yell, let us off the bus. I didn't respond to him. I just remember thinking, there's not a chance that I'm stopping this bus and opening the doors. We're getting out of here. And the one thing I was wondering, was anyone on the bus calling 911? Yeah, I found out weeks later when my wife and I met uh, one of the passengers on the bus that day. She was on the phone with 911, kind of giving them location updates. You know, I was probably so focused on just getting out of there and getting somewhere safe that I didn't really hear anything that was going on on the bus. I know from the article in the Seattle Times, he shot five people. Were you the first person he had shot? No, now this is interesting part. He had stepped out of his apartment on Sandpoint Way. He shot at a truck that he hit three times but didn't hit the driver. Then he shot a school teacher who was coming home. She kind of rolled forward uh, half a block and onto the shoulder. Uh, she survived, but the reason he ran across the road is he was walking up to her car. I think he was coming up to like finish her off and take her car. And then he saw the bus come around the corner you know, bigger target of opportunity. I was his third victim. He ended up killing two people and wounding two of us. And I read he ultimately was arrested at the scene. Yeah, uh, SPD was able to get the guy into custody without uh, incident. And he's in the King County Jail. He's still awaiting trial. Now back to your story for a moment. So the officers arrive. I know that many of Seattle police officers are EMT trained, so they were able to do some immediate medical treatment. Yeah, they were. I learned after the fact that the kits that they carry, including like tourniquets, are supplied by Seattle Police Foundation, which I and they really appreciate. But yeah, they definitely have that training and the tools which is fantastic. I mean, you know, it's the city of Seattle, so there's a good chance fire and paramedics will be there pretty quickly. But I also know from my own personal training that, you know, a person can bleed out in three minutes. So that initial care is critical. Honestly, they they saved my life. I mean, yes, the doctors at Harborview and the paramedics, I didn't realize how much I was bleeding. It was months and months later I saw... Uh, body cam footage. And I remember seeing them cutting off my shirt and I thought, what, am I wearing a windbreaker? And my wife was watching. She said, no, that's your t-shirt. And it was completely, it, it soaked up all the blood. So I didn't see a lot of blood. Had they not, you know, gotten my arm up and gotten uh, some pressure on that exit wound, it's possible I could have bled out. Unbelievable. I talked about the Seattle Police Foundation with Zach, uh, who also is a citizen who was the victim of a drive-by gang shooting and similar experience with the EMT training that those officers had, who, who also saved his life. So as you've said, it's, it's really valuable training. And as you and Zach both mentioned, that funding for the kits and the training comes through the Seattle Police Foundation 
and that funding comes from donations, which can be made at their website, which is seattlepolicefoundation.org. And now, so going back once again to the moment you're on the bus with the officers, they treat you initially and then paramedics take you to Harborview Medical Center? Right. I remember walking to the Medic One unit. I remember distracting myself talking to Brian, the paramedic, saying, hey, Brian, what's how's my blood pressure look? But I remember him telling me my blood pressure was... 90 over palp, which means they can't they can't read the lower number, apparently. He was concerned. He told me later that he thought he was going to have to intubate me. But I remember talking to the uh, one of the two officers who helped me on the bus. And I said, I don't remember a whole lot, but I said, I was pretty calm, wasn't I? He said, yeah, in fact, you were eerily calm. He goes, you were so calm that I was really worried about you. He goes, I've dealt with people who were calm, and then 30 seconds later, I lose them. I do want to touch on the lengths that you have gone to to show your gratitude, and I believe not just to the two officers who responded, but to all SPD and to all law enforcement. I've always had enormous respect for law enforcement. I mean, it's partly the way I was raised. And, you know, when this happened, I was just so grateful for how SPD responded and in particular the two officers at North Precinct who helped me and I just felt I needed to express my gratitude. I mean I expressed gratitude for uh, the paramedics who helped me, for the coordinators in our control center, but I've always had a fondness and respect for law enforcement and I thought well this is a great opportunity to express that especially now in a time where you know, a lot of people seem to have a low view of law enforcement, whatever the issues are. I just saw it as an opportunity to give gratitude and encouragement to folks who do a very difficult job and who are very underappreciated. And so what have you been doing to show that gratitude? I know you've done a few specific things because, you know, not everybody does this, right? people don't always go back and thank the officer for responding to their tragedy. I've heard that a lot, and that was actually kind of surprising to me. The same goes with firefighters and paramedics. Apparently, even for them, it's not typical. And especially for police officers, it's not typical for a victim to come back and thank officers, which, again, surprised me. I remember when I was in the ICU... Chief Carmen Best, you know, police chief at the time, came and visited me and she gave me her Seattle police chief challenge coin. And I thought, well, that's a really cool thing. And, you know, I knew something about challenge coins and how special they were. And I thought, you know what? I want to design and have made a challenge coin that expresses respect, support, and appreciation for law enforcement officers. Uh, it's not inexpensive to do. So I thought, well, you know, I, I know I have a lot of friends and family members who would probably be interested in supporting something like that. So I kind of put the feelers out. And sure enough, in very short order, I had the money to have 500 coins made. And I was just going to hand them out. In the course of my job as a bus driver, I see law enforcement officers frequently. And then I wanted to go to North Precinct. And my friend at North Precinct said, hey, why don't you get a hold of the public information officer 
and do it through her. And she set it up for me to go to North Precinct with Chief Bess there. And it became a whole thing where I got to go to Second Watch Roll Call and present coins to officers there. I've visited all the Seattle precincts, Seattle Police Department precincts now with either Chief Best or Chief Diaz and got to hand coins to officers and express my gratitude to them. I know a little bit about challenge coins. Can you tell me what their significance is? So challenge coins are something that have been used in the military, in law enforcement, typically awarded by a commander either to boost morale, but usually, in my understanding, is to award um, special achievement, job well done, bravery, heroism. They're not just given out to anyone. So I know this is part of the law enforcement culture. And I have, since the shooting, I've actually received several myself from different agencies, and it's a real honor to receive them. So I thought it would be special to use something familiar with uh, officers as a tangible reminder they can carry in their pockets as a morale booster to remind them that so many in the community respect, appreciate, and support them. I've seen the challenge coin you designed. It's really beautiful. And I thought the words on it were very meaningful. Could you describe it for our listeners? Yeah, so the challenge coin I designed is a silver coin. And on the front is in the middle is a badge and there's two words I had put on the badge service and pride and then around the outside edge I put four words justice excellence humility and compassion and those are words that I pulled from Seattle Police Department and other agencies code of ethics those words in particular exemplify what I've come to know about the women and men of SPD in particular, but of the law enforcement officers I know. And then on the back, the words uh, read, your selfless dedication and tireless efforts have touched and changed countless people in our community. We honor you. We thank you. Well, as I said, I think that's incredibly powerful and meaningful. So how do the officers react? Uh, That's interesting, too, because as I've gotten to know a lot of these police officers, they honestly are some of the kindest, most servant-hearted people I've met when I talk to them about why they got into the job. And when I'm presenting coins, you know, some people, most people said, you know, thank you. They're very kind of stoic. I've had officers come up to me kind of after the presentation and thank me and tell me what a great thing that is. And but at the at the moment of presentation, they're stoic professional police officers. But I know in talking to command staff and in talking to individual officers, that means a lot to them. They really, they're not used to that. And especially with everything going on now, it it means a tremendous amount to them. I didn't want to just express my gratitude, but let them know that most people in the community, certainly all my friends and family, respect, appreciate, and support them as individuals, not just what they do, but support them as human beings, they're overwhelmed by that, really. I've been able to do that with the Metro Transit Police as well. I went down and to one of their training events and met their command staff and was able to give coins out to a lot of the deputies who work with Transit Police. 
they're part of the King County Sheriff's Department. And just in the course of my work as a bus driver at transit centers, that kind of thing, I've been able to give coins to Transit Police, Mount Lake Terrace Police Department, uh, State Patrol. Actually, next week, I'm going to Edmonds Police Department. You're doing this just to show your support and gratitude to law enforcement in general? This whole horrible incident in March of 2019 has opened the door and given me the opportunity to support and encourage law enforcement officers. I will gladly take advantage of that opportunity whenever I can. Well, that's great. As a law enforcement supporter myself, I find this whole period to be difficult. You you referenced it uh, yourself, the anti-police sentiment, the protests, the riots. So how has that affected you? Yeah, it's it's really disheartening to me to see that. And I get it. Everybody has different experiences uh, with law enforcement. Some people will say that I don't blame individual officers. It's the institution or, or whatever. Where I come at it is I, I say, look, these are human beings doing a very difficult job. So look past the uniform and get to know them as people. You know, have you ever just spoken to a police officer at a coffee shop or when they're not engaged in a call but available to chat have you ever said hello and talked to a police officer i mean especially during this pandemic and all the craziness right now in this country we need to see one another and treat one another like fellow human beings and i encourage people to do that when it comes to law enforcement that's been my approach. And that's why, again, I have taken every opportunity to encourage these officers because they need it. I know a lot of them are depressed. They're not feeling it anymore, a lot of them. And it's funny, when you talk to these officers, especially when I meet newer officers, I say, why would you do this job? What would make you get into this profession, especially now? And almost to a person, they tell me, I want to help people. I want to serve my community. And a lot of people don't expect that kind of a response from a police officer. They think, oh, you want to get the bad guys. And no. And when I talk to police officers who've been doing it for a long time, a couple of my friends at North Precinct, one of them said, yeah, there's some grumpy old guys here. But honestly, to a person, I feel that way about all of them, that they got into this job because they want to help and serve people. And so I try to remind the public of that when I have the opportunity, and I try to speak words of encouragement to law enforcement officers who are feeling kind of depressed and, and dejected about what's going on right now. I think you've pretty much said it, but if you want to say directly to any officer who's listening right now, what would you say to them? I would say that I want you to know that most, in my experience, most people in the community respect, appreciate, and support not only what you do, but you as human beings. And I, I want to express my gratitude and appreciation for you. Thank you. Well, thank you, Eric. I think what you were doing means so much to our officers, and it's coming at a time when they really need it. So thank you for all you're doing. To take your own personal journey and to turn it into something to help other people, I think is really remarkable. I appreciate that. <laughs>